Hey everyone, and welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Wimbledon 2023, quarterfinals day one edition. It has been another great day of tennis viewing. Coming to you right now at 6.55 p.m. London time, 10.55 a.m. West Coast U.S., where Novak Djokovic is going to be serving for the third set shortly against Andre Rublev. We'll cover that one a little bit later in the podcast. Thanks for finding the show today. Thanks for listening faithfully as a small audience out there of you does. And please follow the show on Apple Podcasts. Please download all the new episodes and go back and check out old episodes as well. Both episodes with guests and the many episodes where it's just me here talking about tennis. So let's get into that now. Topic one, the women's quarterfinals began the day's play today. And the first match up, it was on number one court where the number four seed Jessica Pagula was taken on Marketa Vondrosheva. That one got underway at 1.07 p.m. local. And for me, it's a big day because yesterday was the final day of 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. starts that populate the tennis tour this time of year. As I've said before, being a tennis fan on the West Coast is just about the worst place to be a tennis fan because of so many matches that happen at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and that is definitely a hardship if you want to catch it live, as I do. And today is the first day where it goes to reasonable hours for the entire rest of the year until January, because the matches for a couple days this week start at 5 a.m., 5 a.m. in the summer in the Northwest is definitely doable because you w- when you wake up, it is light outside. And then after this week, the big tournaments shift to uh, the United States where it is much more favorable hours. And then in the fall events, I do not make that sacrifice to... If get up for matches at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. if they're there. So yesterday was the last early shift of the year, so I was definitely glad about that. But I almost didn't make it because I set my alarm for 4.45 a.m. to give myself some time to get the coffee and all that and be ready for when the match started at 5.05 my time. And I slept through that. Then I woke up with my next alarm, which went off right at 5. And in that moment, I was definitely hanging on the edge. I did not want to get up in that moment. But once you get out of bed and start doing stuff for 5 minutes, it becomes a little easier. And then it becomes easier and easier from that point on. So I did, uh, in retrospect, what was the correct thing by getting myself out of bed on time and 
getting in to watch both of these matches um, when they were going on. It took me a little while to fully get going as well. And they were going quick. My coffee maker takes a little bit on the longer side. Might need to get a new coffee maker. But um, probably takes 10 to 20 minutes to eke out all the coffee to make a full pot there. And uh, here's a sip of that. And I probably didn't take my first sip till 5.45 or something, about half an hour into the matches. And that was definitely on the late side. I would have preferred if it had been a little earlier. So I was definitely a little bleary-eyed during the early goings of the matches today. And the changeovers were really quick. They had to have been a minute, which is a significant percentage less than the normal minute and a half at the uh, other Grand Slams. Because I went up. I stood up. I went over to the next room to start getting the coffee ready on one of the changeovers. And way early, I had just done maybe one thing. Maybe just poured the water in or just put the coffee in. One of those things. And they were already starting again which uh, definitely is unusual. So I was rushed a little bit to get the coffee ready on the changeovers. Getting into the women's matches now. So again, Jessica Pagula versus Marketa Vondrosheva began at 1.07 p.m. local. Pagula came out quick. She held to 15, then broke to 30. To get up with the early two love lead. And uh, unfortunately she could not hold on to that. As Marketa Vondrosheva won four consecutive games. Including two breaks. But then Vondrosheva dropped her serve at 4-3. To get it to 4-all. So in those eight games. Let's see how many breaks we had. We had one. Two. Three, four breaks in the first eight games. You could say somewhat typical of a WTA match, even on grass, so that's fine. At four all, both players would have felt they would be in with a shot. In a multi-deuce game at four all, Pagula could not hold on to her serve, and Vondrosheva served it out at love after that, which was not characteristic of the rest of the set, to take the first set 6-4. Vondrosheva 6-4 over Pagula. Over on center, at the same time when this was going on, number one seed Iga Sviantek was taken on the wild card from Ukraine, Elena Svitolina. That match got underway at 1.38 p.m. local time on center court. Sviantek also got up the early break in that one. Two games to love. But in the very next game, she could not hold on to it. She was broken to get back to 2-all. She broke again to go up 3-2. And then it went with serve for a couple games. Then it got to Sviantek serving for the first set at 5-all. And... She got broken at love in that game. Very unusual for Sviantek. Then Svitolina held to 15 
to go up 6-5. And then in the next game after that, Sviantek dumped her serve into the net to lose that first set seven games to five to Svitolina. So in that first set, Svitolina went from 3-5 to 7-5. Definitely a very unexpected thing because we all know how good Sviantek is and how much of a strong frontrunner she is. Meanwhile, in the second set on court one between Pagula and Vondrasova, Pagula definitely began to rebound a little bit. She got the break in the fourth game to go up 3-1. She held on to it, and uh, Vondrasova dumped her serve a second time to lose the second set, so Pagula leveled it up. 6-2 in that second set. At that point, you definitely felt like it was your typical tennis match script of much higher ranked player maybe struggles early, but then as the match goes on, starts to figure it out. And that is uh, definitely what happened there. And it continued into the third set um, for, with Pagula and Vondrosheva. Pagula started off to serve in that third set. She saved a couple break points. Um, she overcame a double fault to hold her serve to go up one love. In her second service game, Pagula saved another break point and uh, went up 2-1. And after that, with Vondrosheva serving at 1-2, she dropped her serve to 15 and... Sviantek goes up 3-1, about to serve in that third set. And at this point on both courts, play was briefly suspended due to uh, rain. Center court has a roof, and uh, court one has a roof, so it was nothing beyond a brief delay. It was about a 20-minute break, and again, the rains came with... Svitolina up 7-5 over Sviantek, and uh, Pagula up 3-1 in that third set against Vondrosheva. There was some talk when that was going on about maybe they were going to close the roof halfway and then open it again because they were only anticipating a quick shower, but um, thankfully that did not happen. They actually closed the roof preemptively, and while the roof was closing, the rain came, so their preemptive call to close both roofs was uh, definitely the right call. And the rain affected play on the outside courts throughout the day. Um, not going to talk too much about the outside court matches, at least at the moment, because they were delayed by several hours, so... Just past 7 o'clock here in London, they're still playing on all the outside courts, so I would like to wait till they're all finished before I make any big comments about that. Um, and center court got going first again. They maybe only had a maybe 10 or 15 minute delay, and they came back out, and Svitolina and Sviantek continued on in that second set with no warm-up. 
And it actually took a little longer on court one. On court one, I know the players left the court. I can't remember if they did on center court or not. But on court one, they left. And in all, it was about a 20-minute delay. That match resumed at, a, at just after 3 o'clock. At 3.01 is when the Pagula-Vondrosheva match resumed. And kind of interesting that court one took longer because their roof is newer. The center court roof came in in 2009, and the court one roof, I believe, was 2019. So there's definitely a gap in modernity there. So it was just interesting, because the court one roof closes faster than the center court roof. Again, definitely uh, something that I noticed there. In terms of did the players want to stop, or did they feel comfortable stopping, what did they think about the stoppage at that point? Um, on center court, Sviantek wanted to stop. She was definitely uh, in favor of the stoppage because she had just lost that set. Um, pretty much the nanosecond the set finished, she was kind of pointing, and she was kind of giving the thumbs up to Jerry Armstrong, the tournament referee. So she was totally in support of that. On court one, uh, Pagula was notably upset about the situation. She didn't make a big deal about it. It wasn't some big emotional display. But there was, um, you could definitely tell, watching Pagula's expressions and gestures, that even if she didn't let on to it too much, she definitely led on to it a little bit that she really did not want to stop because at that point she had the momentum. And I also want to take a moment to just um, say tr watching two matches at once, I did this sort of crazy um, undertaking of trying to keep track of two matches simultaneously in my point book, which you can hear right here. Normally I frown upon that big time because it's really hard to focus with that much attention on two matches at once because you really can't, but I did the best I could. I figured this is a Wimbledon quarterfinal day Going back and watching matches on replay, especially matches that could be full of significance, just is not really something I'm into, because you just lose the impact of the live experience. So I had it all set up. I had center court on my TV, and I had court one on my iPad. And my uh, point book there, keeping track of it all. So that was fun. And so the matches came back. And um, at this point, let's kind of take it match by match here instead of going simultaneously. So court one, Pagula and Vondrosheva. So they come back. Pagula does hold the next game to go up 4-1. And um, at this point, uh, wow, she didn't win another game. That's right. That's pretty crazy. Um, spoiler alert. 
Um, how do I want to do this? Let's go like this. Oh, yeah, and she had a point for 5-1. She did. So Vondrosheva was serving at 1-4 um, in that third set. She saved a break point there to get the hold. And at this point in the match, especially after losing that opportunity, and oh, in our live look here, Novak Djokovic has just overcome a multi-deuce game to win that third set against Andre Rublev. So now, as we're taping this, 7.11 p.m. local time, Novak Djokovic has taken a two sets to one lead in his quarterfinal. Hopefully that'll wrap up as we're wrapping up the pod here. That was the intention of doing it this way. So it definitely became a mental match for Pagula at this point because she has been to major quarterfinals several times and she has never made a semifinal. And she knows that. She is very aware of that. The media is very aware of that. So when Pagula steps up to the line in, in this situation at 4-2, closing in on that goal, that definitely becomes a factor here. And I don't really think that helped her. She surrendered her serve to 30 to get it back on serve to 4-3. Then Vondrosheva held pretty easily to get it to 4-all in the third set. So at this point, Pagula definitely knew that she would have to fight for the victory. It was not going to be easy. And I would just like to take a moment to say, like, this was a great match. Vondrosheva is not the most marketable player, and she hasn't done that much over the last couple of seasons since she made the Roland Garros final. But even still, this was a highly entertaining match to watch live, so I'm glad I did. It was tight, it was competitive, there were lots of momentum swings back and forth, um, including at this 4-all game. It was another extended deuce game that uh, Vondrosheva eventually got the break in and uh, at that point it was going to be really tough for Pagula to come back and it was and Vondrosheva served it out at 15 to get the win so Vondrosheva is going on to the semis and Pagula continues to stumble at the quarterfinal hurdle Vondrosheva got the win at 3.26 p.m., 6-4, over Jessica Pagula, the number four seed. And Vondrosheva is unseeded as well, so that's a big deal. That's a big upset on ranking. The match took one hour and 55 minutes. Total points won. Vondrosheva, 90. Pagula, 89. And they were each broken five times. Um, the stats, uh, second serve points, one. Pagula, 59. Vondrosheva, 32. So edge to Pagula on that. Vondrosheva had better first serve stats by some margin. And that was probably the difference, was the Vondrosheva serve at the crucial moments, serving out the first set and serving out the third set. She did it pretty easily, 
in contrast to the rest of the match when she was broken five times. So the serve definitely made the difference for Vondrosheva there. Um, for Pagula, definitely a tight match. Maybe a little bit unlucky. I'm not sure if you can say that. But definitely tough scoreboard situations. Because um, she was up two love in the first set, then lost six of eight games. And she was up 6-2-4-1 with a point for 5-1. And she uh, didn't win another game after that. So that's really tough. Only seeing the match one time, only seeing it live, I think... I'm not quite sure what I think. Vondrosheva definitely stepped up in those crucial moments, like I said, and the statistics bear that out. But for Pagula, it's got to be real tough to think about you're much higher ranked than the other player, you have the scoreboard to your advantage, you have the momentum, and you're not able to get it done. And yes, I do think closing the roof affected the outcome of the match, uh, because after the roof, Pagula only won the first game and then lost all the rest of them. But also, she lost that first set lead, and that didn't have anything to do with the roof, so maybe it's a combination of both. I think Vondrosheva, her serve helped her, the roof helped her, and I think Pagula's mental situation about thinking about making a semifinal, I think that helped Vondrosheva as well. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about Pagula first a little bit. So this was six, yeah. Jessica Pagula is now 0 for six in major quarters. She made one in tw- in 2021, didn't win it. Made three last year, didn't win them, and made two out of the three majors so far this year, and she didn't make it either. Maybe maybe she's not that player, capital T, tap, capital P, that player, or that girl, capital T, tap, capital T, capital G. I've said before, I thought she had a great draw at the Australian Open this year, and I thought that was her one chance to get a major title, and I said then, when she didn't do it, I thought that was her only chance. And I was kind of wrong about that because she had a chance to get maybe not win the title here. Yeah, I still think I was right. I'm, I'm going to st- say that I still thought I was right. She was never going to win the title here, but she could have had her best ever result in a major for sure. When you draw an unseated Marketa Vondrosheva in a Grand Slam quarter, you can't ask for a much more favorable draw than that, realistically. And if she if she didn't get it now, you have to wonder when she will get it. Or, or you can put it like this. Which way is it going to go? Was this going to be her best chance, and is this going to continue? Is she going to lose earlier in tournaments now as a result of this? Or is it going to be a situation where all the media is going to eat crow in two months after she uses this to get to the U.S. Open quarters and win that match to get to a semifinal at the U.S. Open in front of the home crowd. 
it could go either way. Hopefully for Pagula, it goes the way of success. I was definitely rooting for Pagula to win this one. Nothing against Vondrosheva, but uh, it would have been nice to see Pagula sort of get over the mental hurdle here and get the best result that she's ever had. But uh, she didn't. So, in terms of majors, definitely questions around Jessica Pagula at the moment. No questions about winning them, because she can't. But the questions now are, can she ever get to that semi? Because that is the one thing missing in her career at the moment. For Marketa Vondrosheva, she's kind of done this out of nowhere. She made the finals of the of Roland Garros in 2019. She lost to Ash Barty in the final there. And since then, here are Vondrosheva's results. First round, absent. First round, first round, second round, fourth round, fourth round, second round, second round, third round, absent, 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 third round, second round, and now, four and a, just over four years later, she's into another semifinal. So this definitely came out of nowhere, but hey, she um, served well, she's had some great wins this week, and... Um, Hey, it doesn't matter what happened in the middle, right? As long as you find success now. Or it, it doesn't matter what happened before, as long as you're winning now. So, nice to see Vondrosheva, you know, back in this spot. You could go two ways on this. You could think, oh man, this player I don't know anything about and who's not seated got to the semifinals. That's going to ruin the semifinals. Or you could take the positive spin on it and you could say, she's played well this week. She's had success in the past. She's a great player. She has a great game. And she'll be a worthy opponent for whoever she plays. And she absolutely deserves to be in the final four for Wimbledon. Taking a look at the live rankings after that one. So, Bagula is going to stay at four. And then after the victory... Vondrosheva is up to 23 in the rankings. So, and let's let's check out the race rankings as well. In the race, Pagula is also at 4, and Vondrosheva is all the way up to 15 by virtue of her semifinal here. So, you might not have seen her at all. You might have no idea who she is. But after this last couple of days... Marketa Vondrosheva is now the 15th best player in the world this season. So that's nice for her. So yeah, that was a very nice match out on court one. And simultaneous to that, actually, let's hear from Vondrosheva now. Because I'm looking at the press conference page. Excellent. Let's hear from Marketa Vondrosheva, the winner. And I'm playing this off the Wimbledon.com video player, not off of YouTube. So let's... Good afternoon. Okay, Welcome to is. the press conference for Marketa Vondrusova. Please raise your hand and state your name and organization when asking your question. Uh, Marketa, how does it feel to be in the Wimbledon semifinals? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing feeling. You know, I was, I was down one four in a, in a third set, so... Yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts weren't so good. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just very happy, you know, 
I was fighting through the whole match. So uh, yeah, it's it's amazing feeling. I actually I didn't see my coach <laughs> I was I was alone in the in the waiting room I I chat a bit with my husband you know we we talked on the phone and that was it it was it was a quick break so I I didn't do much but yeah I just you know I just wanted to go out there and, and just you know try to stay in the match and then try to win would you tell us what he said to you my husband, <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was a good match. He was playing great. And yeah, he just said, you know, just, just try to fight. You know, you are playing, you are playing good. You are, you are playing great match. So yeah, that, that was it. But I mean, I think the, the break helped actually. So, so it was, it was good. Uh, Molly from the, from the Telegraph. Um, you were saying, you were saying that it helps you the, the, the break, but it also seemed to help your forehand because your forehand, you were having some issues with it. I just wonder if you can talk through how do you kind of, you continue to hit it. So it wasn't like you were trying to avoid it. So tell us how you kind of turned it around. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like her, her backhand was like really, really not, not so, so good for me, you know, for the forehand and it's, it stays really low. So you cannot do much, you know, from it. So I just, you know, I just try to hit maybe harder because like, the slow slow balls didn't work and and she was she was you know she was pushing the the back end so much so you know i just i just said to myself just you know try to to maybe hit harder and just you know see what happens and then i think i i found myself again <coughs> hi isabel from the sun thanks so much for your time um everyone's obviously noticing your incredible tattoos that you have they're just amazing and you've had such a good run at wimbledon this year right I wondered, has it got kind of a bit of a special place in your heart now? And if you go even further, would you get a Wimbledon tattoo, maybe? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I always loved it here, but I didn't, you know, do so, so good. I just, you know, I was, my best result was second round. So now I just, you know, just got better. But uh, yeah, I mean, these two weeks are incredible, you know, I just, you know, I just came here and I just said to myself, just stay open-minded, you know, just try to, you know, play your game and everything. And now this is happening. So it's, it's, you know, it's a crazy thing. Also, also today was a crazy match. So I'm just, you know, I'm just a bit in shock. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you, you seem like you were in tears at the end. Just kind of <laughs> talk me through the emotions and what you were feeling. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, one, four down and she, she had break points for five, one. So you are not like in a good mood, you know, and then, then I just started, I don't know. I just turned it around, you know, I just kept believing myself and, yeah, after the match point, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, because it's it's we were playing, you know, amazing match and she is a great player. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think just, you know, everything just <laughs> went on and I just, yeah, I just couldn't couldn't hold the tears. <laughs> you said a moment ago how much you love it here. What is different about pursuing the Wimbledon championship than anything else in tennis in your experience? Yeah, I mean... Everybody knows Wimbledon, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a different, you know, tournament. I, I feel like, you know, like people in tennis, they, they know Grand Slams, but like people outside tennis, they, they know Wimbledon, you know, it's, it's a, it's a biggest tournament. It's a, you know, biggest center court and everything. It's just, you know, so famous. So, I mean, I never thought I could, I could play so good here, you know, cause I didn't do well on grass before. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, amazing feeling and. I don't know. I just, I just, you know, I'm trying so hard in in every match. Every match is is incredibly difficult here. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's gonna happen next. Just one follow up. In the trophy itself, what 
to you stands out? I mean, what's emblematic of winning the championship here? What are your first memories of it and how has it stayed with you? Uh, I actually watched Petra when, when she won for the first time and I, I was I was really small, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think that like I remember. But uh, for me, I felt like it's, you know, it's such a long way, especially like when I didn't do well on grass, you know, so uh, I don't know. It's now it's, you know, it's it's close, but it's it's such a long way still. So, uh, I mean, I, I feel like everybody's fighting for it, you know, and uh, I feel like it's it's the biggest tournament you can win. Okay, so Rob Moore from The Sun. Last October, you were probably playing tennis. Alina Svitolina was having a baby. Yeah. It's incredible what she's been on and the journey she's been on the last nine months. Can you talk about how astonishing that is and what does she mean to women like yourself in the locker room that you can have a child and, and still become professional athletes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible, you know, what she did. And uh, she also, you know, she received a wild card and she's in semi, so it's incredible, you know, and it's such a... I feel like it's such a short time, you know, after a baby and she's doing amazing things. And yeah, she's, you know, she's a, she's a fighter and she's playing so good. And uh, yeah, I think for us, you know, we can, we can see that we can also manage with, with baby, you know, so it's, it's amazing. And she also did great job in, in Paris and now she, she's doing these things. So uh, yeah, I mean, for us, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, for me, it's incredible, you know, she, she can do this with, with a baby and after such a long time also. For a hell of a lot, obviously, our fellow countrymen and women. Have you spoken to her about that in the locker room? Have you sort of offered support to her privately? Uh, we chat a bit on Instagram, actually. We didn't see see each other much. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with her all the way, you know. And, uh, yeah, she's incredible. And I think she's incredible with everything, you know. She's fighting so much for everything. And now she's just playing amazing tennis also. So, it's it's you know, she's a superwoman, I think. <laughs> Christian Radnage, Reuters. Um... You've beaten four seeded players now, but as you just said, Svitolina is a wild card. Does that alter your preparation in any way? What What are you thinking about that semi-final? Uh, we played a few times, so uh, we know each other. But I mean, she's a wild card. But I mean, she's playing like a top ten player, so <laughs> it's it's uh, it's no difference for me. You know, I think in semi-finals you you have to be ready for everything. You know, it's it's you know it's all in. So we'll see. I mean, she's. She's a great player. She's playing so good. So we'll see. I think nothing changes if she's, you know, if she's seeded or she's a wild card. So for me, it's it's the same thing. Um, you mentioned having the call with your, your husband earlier. Is, is he here at Wimbledon or is he home? No, he is at home. <laughs> Prague. And do you think he might come over for uh, We'll or? see. <laughs> I don't know. I think for semis. He won't come, but we'll see. You know what happens. He has to. He has to work, and he has to take care, care of our cat. So he has to stay home. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He has to take care of their cat. That's a good line. So that was uh, Marketa von Drosheva, and she spoiled what happened in the other match there. But I'm gonna cover it anyway. So when I was talking about this a few minutes ago. Svitolina had won that first set against Sviantek 7-5. Um, Sviantek got a break pretty early in that second set. She got a break at 1-all to go up 2-1 with the break. She held on to it for a couple more games, but when she was serving at 3-2, Sviantek, she, only, she lost her serve and she won only one point in that game. And then 
Svitolina held the next game at Love. So at this point, Sviantek was serving at 5-7-3-4. So for the second match in a row, she was a set and 3-4 down. Um, I think games went with serve the rest of the set. I believe that's correct. Yes, it is. And um, let's see. So yeah, Sviantek held at 3-4, didn't face a break point. As you guys know, these kind of late set serving situations, when the match can be over in two minutes, it's real important to win those games. Um, Sviantek served to stay in the tournament, held the love at 4-5, served to stay in the tournament again at 5-6, held the 15. So across the last two matches against Bencic and against Svitolina in identical situations, a set down 4-5 and a set down 5-6. Sviantek held all four of those games completely undramatically, and that was really impressive. So they get into a second set tiebreak, and honestly, before the tiebreak started, you felt like Sviantek was going to win it, and... Svitolina got up 4-1, and you thought, hmm, maybe not. But then Sviantek went on a run to uh, get it back uh, to win that uh, second set tiebreak 7 points to 5. So from 4-1 down, she she won the rest of the tiebreak 6-2. to two. I think that's right. 6-1. to one. Yeah, she won 6 out of the last 7 points to win that tiebreaker. And it's just very impressive. And at this point, you think Sviantek's got it in the bag. It's going to be just like the Benchich match from the other day, where the most dramatic part of the match, where it hangs in the balance the most, is the end of that second set tiebreak. And you think the third set is just going to be a formality. And it was, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um... And just in that moment, you just have to have admiration for what Sviantek does. Even if she's not playing great, she, number one, grinds it out. Number two, in the most high-leverage situations, she comes through. She's very much like Djokovic in that regard, where if matches turn on a handful of points, Sviantek almost all the time wins those points. And she won those points at the end of the second set today to keep it going into a third set. Um, Sviantek holds first game of the second, or I'm sorry, first game of the third. Uh, Svitolina holds. And then, kind of interesting, Sviantek played a bad game to lose her serve. Um, Svitolina goes up 2-1. Comes through a deuce game, holds that one. And then Sviantek loses her serve again to 30 and gives Svitolina the double break lead. And when that happened live, the message I sent out was, okay, Svitolina's got a double break 4-1 lead. That's nice, but can she convert that into winning the match? So you would expect Sviantek to definitely make another push here like she has before. Um, but uh, got, uh, Svitolina got to game point, 
held that game with an ace, went up 5-1, and it was at that moment with that ace that you definitely thought that it could start to happen. Um, uh, Sviantek held on to her serve in the next game, so Svitolina was serving for the match at 5-2, and you don't want to get complacent. It's not over till it's over when you're playing Sviantek, and I think it took her... How many match points did it take? 15 love, 30 love. It took her a couple match points. She got to 40 love and then uh, lost one, but then pulled it off. So yeah, it was uh, alive until the last point. But in the end, Svitolina overcomes the loss of the tiebreak. She flips the script and she beats Iga Sviantek 7-5-6-7-6-2 in 2 hours and 51 minutes. It was a big, 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 big win. So Svitolina's technically a wild card, even though she's ranked number 76. I talked about that earlier this tournament on the podcast. Go check out those episodes for why. It's got to be one of the only times that a wild card has beaten a number one seed in Grand Slam history. I don't know that stat for sure, but... That's got to be one of the only times, if not the only time. Um, just we'll, we'll talk about Sviantek first. Listen, Sviantek at last year's Wimbledon, she played very poorly. At this year's Wimbledon, she got a little farther, but she still played really poorly in her last two matches. When she was facing opponents that had a degree of competency on grass, Sviantek was overmatched. She was match point down to Bencic, and she was match point down to Svitolina, and, you know, went on to lose that match point. On grass, she's not very good. Um, she's not, just to be quite honest, she's not ready to win Wimbledon yet. And I'm going to go check my predictions, actually, on my Twitter account. Um, I had Sviantek losing in the quarters before the tournament started. I had her playing Azarenka today. I was wrong by just a couple points from that happening in the other match against Fidelina there. But it doesn't surprise me. All these people like that were saying, oh, she, it's a mix of one, and you know, Sviantek's the overwhelming favorite and all this. And I'm not talking just about one outlet. I'm talking about multiple media outlets. Where's the evidence? She was terrible on grass. Why are you picking someone who's terrible on grass to go all the way? I mean, I know why, but the number next to your name, that doesn't make you any better on grass. It's just a number next to your name. That number did not get that high. Her world number one ranking is what I'm talking about. She's not number one because of her prowess on grass. So, not a surprise to me that Sviantek is out at this stage. To be honest, I saw it coming. And um, she's another one of the young players at the top of the game that is not very good on grass. Like, Tsitsipas is another one. Um, you know, Medvedev, you know, even though he's still in now. Um, you know, team, even though he's not at the top of the game right now. You can't write off a surface that's on a major tournament. Let me say that better. 25% of the Grand Slams are on grass. You can't just write it off. You're writing off an entire Grand Slam. 
And for Sviantec generally, she's not been as dominant this year on tour as she was last year. And this is a definite continuation of that. There's been three Grand Slams played this year, and Sviantec has lost at two of them. When I was sitting back at Dose Coffee with Bill, um, when we were doing our, our season previews, go back and listen to that pod, you know... It's you know we were all we were very high in our praise of Sviantec, and I can't remember what I said. I think I said she'd win two majors, so she's still got a chance to do that. But you know she's lost at two of the three that have happened so far, which uh, you know not a lot of pundits would have predicted two or three months ago. Um, what else do I want to say about these again? This was a this was a case of the WTA matches far outshining the the men's matches today. I might not talk about the men too much for two reasons. Number one, they were not nearly as compelling, and number two, Djokovic is closing in on his victory. He's up four three with a break in the fourth set on Rublev, and I'm gonna wrap up this pod as soon as that match is over with. But the the matches on Sunday. The, the women's matches on Sunday and the two uh, women's quarterfinals on the schedule today, they were great, great matches. It was a great viewing experience, and I really, really enjoyed it. A couple more things before we move on from the women. So Sviantec, she has lost at, let me see here, one, two, three, four, five. She's lost at three of the last five Grand Slams. So by her lofty standards, that number seems high to me. And again, on tour this year, she could be surpassed. If Sabalenka wins this tournament, she becomes number one. So Sviantec's dominance really is kind of under threat right now. I know after the French Open, I said it's Sviantec's world and everyone else is just, you know, second fiddle. And at that time, that was true. But things can change quickly in tennis. And taken as a whole... From January to now, Sviantec's definitely in trouble, which is reflected by the fact that her time at number one is under threat and could be over in, in uh, just a couple of days. Um, and let's take a look at the rankings after that one. Um, Sviantec's number two in the race right now to Sabalenka. And um, by winning today... Let's see where Svitolina goes up to. She goes up to number 22 in the race. I, I didn't even talk about that. Yeah, so for Svitolina, it's incredible. And, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to do it the proper amount of justice here. Um, but, uh, you know, th- this is for multiple reasons. Number one, she's been out on maternity leave in, in October, like you heard in that press conference, she had a child. She's married to Monfils. Um, she didn't play. She came back this year. She's made the quarters of the French and the semis of Wimbledon. It's an amazing turnaround. So number one, it's an amazing turnaround because of that. And number two, um, Svitolina is Ukrainian. And she took time out of the tour before she had the child. In early 2022, she took time away from the tour because of the Ukraine war. 
and those two things combined, and plus the upset. So she upset the number one seed. She's from Ukraine. She's coming back off maternity leave. She's a wild card. She's playing at the tournament that banned the Russian and Belarusian players. So for her to get this win, it was very emotional. It was very cool. The crowd was definitely behind her. And I think a lot of people are going to be behind her in her next match. What do we think the chances are of Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, coming to Wimbledon if she makes the final? Just throwing it out there. You know, he could, uh, Zelensky could uh, schedule a visit with Rishi Sunak, the prime minister, just to, you know, make it a business trip to quiet those critics if that were to happen. But probably won't happen, but it would be pretty cool if it did. Can you imagine the scene in center court? If Vladimir Zelensky is sitting in the royal box with Svitolina playing in the final, that would definitely be a scene. Um, And for all those people out there that are complaining to me right now through your uh, phones across space and time, politics and sports have always been intersected. And if you don't believe that, you're not being intellectually honest because it's the truth. All right, I've got to move on here because Djokovic is three points away from winning. In the men's semis today, um, Yannick Sinner beat Roman Sifulin, 6-4-3-6-6-2-6-2. It was a good run for Sifulin. He played well. Sinner was up 6-4-3-1, and Sifulin took advantage of a Sinner wobble to win five straight games to win that second set. It was a fun match for a while, but in the third and fourth sets, Sinner absolutely displayed his dominance. Yannick Sinner is into his first uh, major semifinal, the first of many, you would think. And uh, yeah, it was a fun match, but that's really all I have to say about that. Sifulin acquitted himself well. It'd be nice if he became a fixture on the tour. I'd be okay with that. He seemed like a nice, enjoyable player to watch. Um Center's draw has been very easy. He hasn't had to play an opponent ranked in the top 75 in the world to make a Grand Slam semifinal. So definitely one of the easiest draws you'll ever see. But you know what? Like Brad Gilbert said on ESPN2 during that match, you know, there's been many times in history where people have had great draws and they've messed it up and not taken advantage of them. So you can only beat who's there. So Sinner reaches his first major semifinal, so happy for him. And in the match that we're watching right now, Djokovic came out sluggish early, but uh, he's got triple match point against Rublev. Let's take a listen. If he won this game, it would be a 4-6, 6-1, 6-4, 6-3 victory, but let's see if Djokovic can pull it off. Let's listen in.
And that's it. And second match, Djokovic. Three sets to one. Four, six, six, one. Six, four, six, three. Seven-time champion was tested today. But he passed. And Djokovic now within two wins of his 24th major. His fifth Wimbledon in a row. The love affair, as he calls it, continues with center court, still unbeaten here in more than a decade. All right. And there you have it. Novak Djokovic is the winner today. And that brings us to tomorrow's order of play. Let's take a look, shall we? Um, all right. This will be the order of play for Wednesday, July 12th, quarterfinal action. Um, number one court is underway at 1 p.m. local time. First up. Arena Sabalenka versus Madison Keys, followed by Daniil Medvedev versus Chris Eubanks. Center court starts at 1.30 p.m. local time. First up, Elena Rybakina versus Anz Jabor. That is a rematch of last year's final, won by Rybakina, followed by Carlos Alcaraz versus Holger Runa. That one is definitely the highlight of the schedule. Alcaraz and Runa. ESPN will have the two center court matches. So again, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. ESPN will have Jabor Rabakina, then Alcaraz Runa. ESPN 2 has court 1. 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. ESPN 2 will have Sabalenka versus Keys, and then Medvedev against Eubanks after that. And those are the four singles matches on court tomorrow. All right. I enjoyed today's pod. It's nice to talk about stuff that uh, gets me going. It was a great day, and um, tomorrow's going to be another one. Podcast coverage might be a little spotty over the next few days because I've got uh, real-life stuff going on. I've got job interviews every day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but... That comes first, obviously, but I'll do the best I can to stay on top of the tennis. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. You've been listening to Trips Tennis Talk, which is a show produced by Oregon Productions.